for the title. Got it. Good snap. The hold is down. It's long enough. It is good. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Today's guest has had a lifelong passion for education and athletic administration. A graduate of Castlewood High School, South Dakota State, an athletic director for three different schools. He's been a track and field enthusiast and a member of the Hall of Fame of the South Dakota Interscholastic Athletic Administrators. He's also a longtime board member of the Howard Wood Dakota Relays in Sioux Falls. And joining us today, Jim Dorman. Jim, welcome to In Play. Uh, thanks for inviting me and look forward to a very productive interview <laughs> and be able to share some of my, uh, not necessarily knowledge, but some of the information from my past experiences. You know, the Howard Wood Dakota Relays is uh, always the first weekend in May in Sioux Falls. And Jim, you've been on the board for a long time. Have you had a specific job at the Relays every year? Uh, I've got a couple different jobs. Uh, when I originally started, uh, I told Mark Miley that I would really uh, like to clerk the event. And so for the past uh, 18 years, I've been actually the head clerk. So I'm in charge of not only the uh, start clerks, but uh, clerk of entries and the finish clerks and kind of oversee all of those. Uh, one of the main people that I get a chance to work with is my son, Jason, mm-hmm. who actually uh, works the clerk of the start and does an outstanding job. <laughs> you know, the Howard Wood Dakota Relays is one of the biggest track meets uh, in the state. In fact, uh, probably the region. 2023 will be the 98th running of the relays in Sioux Falls. More than 3,000 high school athletes But you know, Jim, athletes from a number of colleges used to participate in the relays, but not anymore. What happened? The main reason that uh, the college division was uh, eliminated was most of the colleges that committed to coming here didn't bring uh, usually their better athletes because a lot of times there were conference meets and qualifying for the NCAA track and field meets. And so it just got to the point where the, I wouldn't say necessarily the quality, but the number of contestants that would come uh, was not increasing, was actually decreasing. And so the board had to make a decision of, you know, whether or not to uh, eliminate that portion of the relays. Uh, It has always been uh, a, an event that, uh, included uh, middle schools from Sioux Falls as well as some of the surrounding area middle schools. Of course, the high school events and then the college events. That's kind of what the uh, main reason for holding the relays was. But again, the college division was, was starting to get to the point where there weren't a, enough athletes competing. Uh, and so it made our job as far as clerks uh, we'd have like three heats set up, <laughs> and by the time we got down to it, there'd maybe be two two in a heat running against each other, and it's 
very difficult to change that once once it's all set up with three full heats and then it ends up being uh, less than eight actually competing in the end. Uh, and as I was talking about, I've done the clerking the events for uh, about 18 years. And the other job that I was making reference to is the past four or five years, I have done uh, the seating. Uh, in other words, uh, lining up flights for the field events and lining up the heats and lane assignments. That's a big uh, job with 3,000 athletes involved, Jim. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that. And uh, like I said, Mark Miley had the confidence in me that uh, he allowed me to work with Bob Jensen in uh, first starting to do that. And uh, now we've got Mark Madison uh, joining on board, uh, learning how to, to do that as well. Uh, but, yes, it, it's very tedious, time-consuming. It takes us. By the time we get the entries in uh, at noon, we're usually done about seven o'clock. <laughs> and uh, what we have done just in the last several years is that we take those entries, send them back out to the coaches to review. And then if there's any uh, corrections or things that we missed, uh, we don't do the final pairings or final seating until uh, a couple of days afterwards so that we make sure that uh, we don't have to adjust or make those changes, you know, the day of the meet. Sure. You know, with the college athletes not involved anymore, did it open up opportunities to bring in more schools from, I know, like North Dakota and Minnesota, they, they bring a bunch of kids to Sioux Falls. Yeah, I think those schools have always been there, but yeah, we've got a lot more North Dakota schools, Minnesota schools. We've even had uh, a couple from uh, Canada come down and participate and with the college events not being uh, at the relays anymore what it's done is it allowed us not necessarily to add more schools we can add more schools but we add more participants in other words the the number of entries per uh, event uh, could be increased and we started adding uh, different events along the way to try to make it uh, a better meet mm-hmm. a couple of years ago we added the uh, co-ed four by 400 meter relay successful uh, very successful which has yeah. really been a good addition and fun for the kids fun for the fans to watch and this year for the first time we're going to uh, have the high school distance medley relay not exactly sure how many uh, participants we're going to have in that. Uh, but what that does is it uh, gives the distance runners uh, something more uh, to participate in. And, uh, of course, the distance medley for those people that might not be uh, familiar with it, uh, it's a 400-meter, 800-meter, 1,200-meter, and 1,600-meter legs in that relay for two and a half miles for the relay. That'd be awesome. And so we're very excited about uh, doing that. Uh, Christy Rieger has been a great uh, advocate uh, for the distance runners. And this was one of her ideas that she brought forward. And the uh, board of directors kind of embraced the idea. And so uh, we're going to have that. And we're always looking uh, for additional things that we might uh, add or to 
uh, improve upon uh, for a better participant and for a better spectator uh, event. So why have the Howard Wood Dakota Relays been so successful now now that it's almost 100 years old? Why has it been so successful? I think the biggest thing is is that in a normal track meet, uh, being a former track and field coach myself, uh, a lot of those athletes are piled up in the events. In other words, they're entered in almost uh, four events at every meet that they go to regularly. Uh, this allows uh, them to come and maybe participate in just one, maybe two or three. There's still some that participate in four, yeah. but it's not as intense. And it's a competition because most of these schools don't see themselves uh, unless they happen to see each other at the state meet. Uh, some never see uh, the schools from the other states that are surrounding us, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. So it's a chance for them to compete against uh, some of the best in this Midwest region. And I think that's why uh, the meet has become or continues to be one of the uh, best events around. Jim, you've been involved with track and field for a long, long time. Did you run track when you were in high school at Castlewood back, back in the late 60s? Uh, yeah, actually, I graduated in 1970, and you'll probably recognize the name of Dave Prohl. He came uh, as a coach and teacher to Castlewood uh, in about 1968, and the track program then was, uh, it was okay, but it wasn't to the caliber that it has been lately, uh-huh. and uh, probably went from about 15 boys out for track. There was was no girls uh, track and field at that time, but he had about 40 or 40 to 60 uh, boys out for track and field when he started the program. Uh, unfortunately, he got drafted into the service, so he wasn't around to be able to uh, enjoy the fruits of his labor. Sure. But in 1970, uh, we won the state B boys track and field meet that was held out in Rapid City. And of course, that was the first time that any of us had run on a an all-weather track. Otherwise, it was all run on a cinder track. Yeah, the old cinder track, yeah. Yes, and uh, we won. Back then, it, the point system was a little bit different. And of course, it didn't take as many points to win a meet, but uh, I anchored the medley relay. We won that. Uh, our four by the you know, actually back then our four by four forty or the mile relay, uh, won that and then Dan Thompson, uh, who I also played football with at South Dakota State, uh, won the shot put and so those three events were enough for us to to win the state uh B track and field meet, which was the first state championship that uh Castlewood had had won. And of course they went on they they won it the following year and they've won it maybe one or two times since then. Were you involved with any field events, Jim? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> the triple jump started out uh, about that time at the high school level. And so since I was an 800 runner, there you know was the medley and the two-mile relay, which was not contested at the state meet. We had actually the best 
two-mile relay team in the state, but that wasn't a state event at that time. Uh, so I tried the triple jump. I also uh, ran the high hurdles as well. Mm. Qualified for the state meet in the high hurdles, but that was it wasn't wasn't the best time. And my triple jump, I wouldn't even want to publicize what my school record jump was. Well, I I'm uh, well remember the time where we would we ran cinder track uh, and then. When it came time for like the regions, we would then be on an all weather track. And of course you had to have different spikes for your shoes. And, you know, maybe you felt the same way. Once you ran on that, uh, that new surface, you felt like you could run 10 miles an hour faster on that. On that yeah, track. that's right. It was, it was a lot different surface. And of course we, uh, practiced sometimes and also ran at the track meets up in Watertown on their standard track. And usually, at that time, if it was rainy, it was muddy and it was messy. And, was of course, awesome. <laughs> being a hurdler, you really want to make sure you cleared the hurdles because uh, <laughs> going down in the cinders was, wasn't was a lot of fun. No. That's why they had a spray <laughs> called cinder suds. It uh, was in an aerosol can that they sprayed on those guys that actually uh, fell during those events. And they're pretty pretty nasty scars. You graduated from South Dakota State in 1975, and your uh, first teaching job was in Hamlin, which, of course, is not far from Castlewood. I think there are some rivalries between Hamlin and Castlewood. What was it like that first year in Hamlin? Yeah, there there was a lot of rivalry. In fact, some of our friends uh, were kind of upset with us for being there because there was such a rivalry. Uh, I went there as a teacher and head football coach at the time. Uh, I was there for three years, and then I got out of education and dabbled in a, in a few other things. Uh, was an electrician, plumber, worked at a co-op gas station with farm chemicals and propane furnace repair, and mm. uh, also uh, on the weekends and uh, during the summertime, I worked uh, with the REA as a high-power uh, energy lineman. So I had quite a varied experience. And uh, after 10 years, then I got back into education, got my uh, former job back at Hamlin. And at that time, they were looking for a uh, track and field coach. So uh, I was the assistant football coach under Arlen Lickness at the time nice. and then yes. was the head track and track and field coach. And of course, uh, that's when Wayne Carney was there as the basketball coach. And so we had a pretty successful, uh, athletic program at Hamlin during those years. But you're a football coach coming right out of college. What was that first year like as the football coach? Yeah, it was, it was kind of nuts because <laughs> I was still working, uh, in the summertime at construction. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to, to prepare, uh, and at that time, we we only had uh, one assistant coach, so it was just the two of us. Hamlin at that time had three different elementaries and three different uh, junior highs, and so it was very difficult to uh, really know what was going on with the programs at the at the junior highs. There there weren't a lot of uh, low athletes to be able to uh, go around those programs, and at the junior high, of course, they played nine-man football, and we were playing 11-man football, so the carryover wasn't quite there. Uh, and being fresh and new and 
a new assistant coach. It was it was fun, but it was challenging at the same time. Basically, I used the same uh, programs that I had at South Dakota State University, ran the same offense, and of course, I was a, a defensive back at South Dakota State, so I was more in tuned into uh, running the defense than I was the offense, but it worked out pretty pretty well. We uh, For the three years that I was the head coach there, uh, we improved our record uh, and end up winning the conference in uh, 1979, uh, which was the uh, old Lake Central Conference. Mm, yeah. And what was kind of funny is back then the coaches had a lot to do with the scheduling of the contest. And so we we're looking for some games. And of course, Les Tuma from, was the head coach at Brookings. They needed an extra game, and so did we. And so we actually played at Brookings. Uh, didn't come out on top, of course, but uh, we pretty much held our own uh, during that time. You became the athletic director at Hamlin. Uh, you did that for about three years or so? Yep, I was there for the last three years that, that I was there. Uh, when Wayne Carney left, uh, John Rasmussen came in as the head boys basketball coach, and he had been an athletic director uh, before that, I believe. Not sure if it was South Shore. He, I know he was at South Shore, but I'm not sure he was the athletic director there. But I do know he was the athletic director uh, at Redfield uh, before he came to Hamlin. And so then he wanted to uh, be able to concentrate more on the boys' basketball program. And knowing that I had, uh, you know, been working quite a bit at Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he resigned that position and then they hired me and that's kind of where I got my start. Uh, Wayne Carney kind of mentored me along the way. And then when I moved into Madison in 2000, uh, Mike Anderson encouraged me to apply for that job. I had just finished up my master's degree. And uh, so that's kind of where I got involved uh, with the National uh, Athletic Directors Association because Mike was the state secretary and uh, suggested that I take that position. And I, I took that over in 2000 and still 23 years later, it's still doing the executive it. director for the state athletic directors. What's well, a whole new ball game when you're talking about, you know, being a football coach or a basketball coach, and then eventually you're the athletic director or the activities director, whatever they, they call it today. Uh, what was the scope like for you going from a, a coach to an administrator in athletics in the state? Well, it was kind of a transition process because I was still teaching halftime. I was still coaching track, and I was the athletic director probably, I don't know, 30% of my duties were athletic directors. So it was mostly uh, scheduling contests, uh, hiring officials, uh, ordering equipment, uniforms. Uh, it wasn't a whole lot of uh, evaluating of coaches when I first started. Uh, when I went to Madison, then I went there as the athletic administrator and uh, activities director as well as assistant principal. So having my administrative degree then allowed me to do more with uh, evaluation of coaches, 
in uh, working with facilities a little bit more. So that was probably your biggest difference being the AD at Madison when you compared it to Hamlin. Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was about, a, you know, like I said, 30 40% athletic director. And uh, I always enjoyed teaching, but uh, still missed it when I, you know, moved to Madison and also moved to Sioux Falls Lincoln. And so that's why when I did retire, I went back and uh, – substitute taught in the science and math departments at uh, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. You know, as an activities director or athletic director, however we want to use that, uh, that title, how difficult is it balancing the sports activities to the fine arts activities? Well, for me, it wasn't uh, very difficult because I worked under Val Fox, uh, principal at Lincoln high school, who was very, uh, involved in the fine arts. Uh, and not that she didn't understand sports, but she, she'd be the first to admit that she had, you know, limited, uh, knowledge of athletics. And so she relied upon, uh, me to basically take care of the athletic and, and then in turn, she would, uh, work with the fine arts and, uh, supervision of the, the, the fine arts events. Now, uh, I helped her with the evaluations of the uh, fine arts programs. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of time to do uh, do those, uh, but I still had to, you know, schedule all of their practices, all of their events, and oh. so I had to be uh, pretty much involved with the fine arts directors in that that way. But as far as supervising events. Uh, and about half of the evaluations, uh, Val really helped me out a lot in, in that respect. I don't know how that works in the other other schools. Of course, I've only been at Lincoln uh, in those capacities, but uh, that's what made my job very easy. You know, it was a, a size jump when you went from Hamlin to Mitchell. What about the, the jump from Mitchell to Sioux Falls Lincoln? What was your What was your biggest thing that you saw when you went to Lincoln? Yeah, we'll go back a little bit. I was at Madison, so or Madison, I went from yeah, Hamlin Madison. to Madison. Okay, so when I went from Hamlin to Madison, there were about two hundred and fifty students in high school at Hamlin, and when I went to Madison, there was five hundred. So the size of the community and the size of the school, you know, was about. Uh, school is twice as big as the one I had been at. Yeah. Uh, so it means you got twice as many probably athletes and fine arts. They even had some of the, the fine arts and some uh, athletics that I hadn't had at Hamlin. Uh, Hamlin didn't have gymnastics. Madison had a, an outstanding uh, gymnastics team. Uh, and that was had a lot to do with Linda Collignon, who is going to be inducted in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame this September. And her husband, John Collignon, was a great help. He was my assistant AD and uh, kind of gave me the, the knowledge and a background of Madison as far as the community and as a school and as the athletic program. So he was, he was a great help. Mm-hmm. Uh, without him, uh, I probably wouldn't have been as successful or as good of a tenure at Madison as I did. And then, of course, I go from Madison, which was about 500 students in high school, to Sioux Falls, Lincoln, uh, 
up to 2000. Had, uh, 2000. <laughs> uh, so quadrupling the number of, of students. And of course, the coaching staffs were larger, participated in every uh, athletic and fine arts activities that the state offers. And so I had to come up to speed on, of course, at Madison, uh, I learned gymnastics, learned wrestling, um, then at tennis as well. And of course, uh, when I went to Lincoln, then uh, I had a little bit of a knowledge of those, but I relied upon the coaches to kind of sure. educate me as far as what those different sports that I hadn't been associated with in the past uh, were like and what they needed. And uh, so it was a challenge, but yet I tell people, they, they say, when you move to Sioux Falls, Lincoln, it had to really be uh, a lot more work. And I said, actually, it was less work because, like I told you in Madison, I was the athletic director, the activities director, but I was also an assistant principal in charge of attendance and discipline and mm. busing and lunchroom and <laughs> And middle school, I had to schedule uh, all my middle school events. I had to schedule all the uh, officials for middle school, high school. When I got to Sioux Falls Lincoln, of course, then uh, I didn't have any middle school. I had uh, an assigner who assigned basketball officials, both lower level and the varsity sport. And so you can see why that would be, you know, a little bit less of a burden. Plus, when you uh, needed some help or some expertise at that time, there were two other athletic directors in Sioux Falls at the, the public schools, as well as an athletic coordinator, Mark Miling. And uh, so really moving to Lincoln was less work uh, than it was when I came from Madison. Not saying that there wasn't a lot of things to be done, oh, yes. but it was just, just that <laughs> the responsibilities were less. You know, when you talk about evaluation of coaches, how do athletic directors evaluate coaches, and uh, is it done every year? Uh, the first-year coaches, if I remember correctly, have to be evaluated uh, every year for the first two years. Then after that, they go on a, like a three-year cycle. Uh, the way I evaluated was uh, I did more walkthroughs. Uh, I'd go out to practices because then you can kind of see more uh, what's going on, you know, how, how the program is running, uh, how the coaches interact with the athletes, how they supervise their uh, assistant coaches, uh, you really can't, uh, or I don't think you can evaluate coaches simply by the game nights, the event nights. Uh, you do that, uh, you use that, but I think the biggest uh, picture that you can get of a coach is uh, how they're working with the athletes during practices. Mm -hmm. And I would always make it uh, non-threatening by just, you know, kind of walking through and I'd find a time when the coach had a little bit of time and I'd just, you know, ask them questions about how things were going and if they needed anything. And I'd spent maybe five to ten minutes. You know, I didn't want to disrupt their practices, but that was, that was the way that uh, 
I evaluated the coaches. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you had to go through a formal evaluation, but basically ask the coaches how they felt that their season went and things that they felt that they could improve upon. And then I'd more or less talk about the things that I saw that were were positive. And I think it worked out well. And I think if you ask the coaches that I had the opportunity to work with, they, they liked it that way. You were on the advisory committee for the South Dakota High School Activities Association for track and for cross country. Uh, you know, during your time there, what were some of the issues that you had to face when it came to uh, track and cross country? Well, there, there's always changes or things that need to be looked at. And I found out that uh, the biggest thing that you're looking at is to make things fair uh, and enjoyable for the student athletes. Uh, Sometimes committee members get on there and they have a uh, personal reason. They've got something that they think that would suit their school or their athletes and not take a look at the big picture on how it affected the whole state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that even still happens, happens today, but by and large, most of them that are on those committees are doing it for the better interest of, of the students. And there are all, always things changing. We had the pole vault controversy where, uh, some of the schools are wondering if we should get rid of pole vault altogether. And then, of course, with the addition of pole vault for the girls, uh, really kind of solidified uh, keeping pole vault, which the biggest argument was there were a lot of schools that didn't have pole vault, didn't have the facilities, didn't have a qualified coach. And so they just felt that, oh, at their conference meets, their region meets, and even the somewhat that they'd be losing team points because not being able to have pole vaulting. So they didn't figure the other schools that had pole vault Mm -hmm. uh, should have it to, you know, basically start out the meet with, you know, a a huge lead. Mm -hmm. The problem I had with that was when I was at Hamlin, we didn't have uh, a lot of distance runners. And so it'd be like me asking them, well, let's eliminate the 3,200 meter run because <laughs> there's a lot of schools that don't have 3,200 meter runners. Sure. And that logic just didn't, just didn't, didn't seem to make sense. And even though I didn't have pole vaulters, I didn't feel that we should eliminate that as an event. And of course now uh, with bringing javelin in to the state, and I know South Dakota is one of the last states to actually have javelin in their track and field meets. Uh, that's been a big Im- improvement because it gives uh, the throwers uh, another event if they choose to or are good at it, uh, can participate in rather than just having two events like they've had in the past. Jim, I've been following high school sports in South Dakota since the late 70s, and I've seen the job the athletic directors are doing. I don't, I don't know. I don't think folks know the hours they put in uh, a ton of hours during the school year, you know, being at all of the sporting events, being at the fine arts events. How did you do it, Jim? Well, the joke always was, is, uh, I get there at seven thirty in the morning and then about three thirty, I'd, uh, walk out, uh, 
And I'd say to the secretaries, well, I'm going up to my second job, my, my next eight hours. So usually put in, you know, 7.30 till 10 o'clock at night sometimes. And, of course, it wasn't every night, but uh, quite a bit. Uh, somebody who goes into athletic administration, uh, you know what going in. And so if you can't make that time commitment, I mean, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was that long. Uh, it just didn't because uh, most of the athletic directors are very passionate and uh, really enjoy uh, working with athletes. And of course, you notice I call them student athletes because when I think back to my interview, uh, when I came to Lincoln, I told them, you know, athletics is my life. It's been my background and uh, I'm applying for a position that's not only athletics, but fine arts as well. But I said, <clears throat> my main objective is their students first. And, uh, so student athletes is a very well used phrase to describe them because without the academics, uh, there would be no athletics. Uh, and so I think a lot of the athletic directors feel the same way. And you take a look at the, the small school athletic directors all the way up to the largest schools like I was at. There are different, uh, oh, very different ways that those positions are. In a lot of the smaller schools, you could be the superintendent, K through 12 principal, and the athletic director. There's several of them like that. Or you could be the principal, or you could be a guidance counselor and the athletic director. You could be coaching three three sports and be the athletic director. And uh, so it's, it's very different depending upon what school you're in, but all in general, uh, have to give the time commitment uh, that it requires. And the way they go about doing their job, of course, has to be different because the time management uh, is so much different between those various size schools. But as a state uh, association, we have a very good network of small school ADs, medium-sized schools, and large schools that work uh, together very well and uh, have a very strong state association. And also we are involved in the national quite a bit. Joey Struy is now uh, going to be retiring, but he is on the uh, national professional development team. Uh, at the national level, we have several national committee members, and I am uh, just started my first year on the national board of directors, and we'll have a three-year term that I will be serving on. So, very excited about looking forward to doing that as well. Are we preparing today's activities directors for this job? Uh, yeah, I think we just got done having our spring conference out in Pierre. Uh, last week, and we changed the emphasis, emphasis a little bit this year. In the past, we spent the majority of our time uh, looking at the various proposals that came out of the advisory committees from the Activities Association, discussing those, debating those, and then voting on those as recommendations 
to their board of directors that they'll act on in April. Uh, this year, uh, several of our athletic directors, board members, felt that we should try to do some more with professional development. And so a greater percentage of the time spent at the conference was on uh, professional development, leadership training courses. Uh, the National Athletic Directors Association has a leadership training institute, which are courses that have been written by and taught by athletic directors that are actually out in the field. Mm -hmm. And so those courses are very uh, pertinent to what athletic directors do. And uh, so they can uh, take those courses along with other professional development that we offer. And it's a nuts and bolts and uh, about 60 different courses have been developed. Oh. And it's the only or was the only non-educational based organization that was actually uh, certi certified or nationally certified. Hmm. And so we can offer uh, college credits. and uh, We just don't want to burn are, them out. <laughs> we don't want to burn what, them out. Yeah, uh, but when we get the evaluations back from those courses, uh, those athletic directors that have participated in that uh, are couldn't believe all the information and uh, helpful hints and things that they got. Another thing that we just started uh, a couple of years ago is uh, Julie Eppard from uh, Chester uh, took over or started actually our mentoring program. So we uh, line up a new athletic director or an athletic director with a uh, few years mm -hmm. of uh, being an athletic director with a an athletic director that uh, has more experience. And so that mentoring program has uh, continued to grow uh and so the professional development, the mentoring, uh, the certification that uh, a person can get uh, is very well received by the, a large portion of our athletic directors. 2016, Jim, you decide to retire at Sioux Falls Lincoln. How come? What were you thinking? What was going on? <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> uh, it was it was time. Uh, I just felt that it was getting to the point where the same way with coaching, you kind of know when, when it's time, time to go, uh, things start bothering you a little bit more, uh, the phone calls and, uh, some of the issues and the, and the day-to-day -day grind of everything, uh, just got to the point where, it wasn't as fun. It was still fun, but it wasn't as fun as it, it had been. Mm -hmm. And as you probably know, uh, I was not only the executive director of the State Athletic Directors Association, but since 2007, had been the executive director of the South Dakota High School Coaches Association and its 1,000 to 1,500 members. Uh, took over for from Jerome Gary, who had taken over from Max Hawk. Uh, and so that takes quite a bit of my time. And then about four or five years ago, the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame uh, was in need of a 
and executive director, so they asked me uh, if I would do that. So the joke always was with my family when I came home from uh, a meeting or a conference, they said, well, what did you volunteer for now? Uh, But I feel, you know, giving back to athletics, the things that it has given to me, uh, it's just one of those things that, that is fulfilling. And it's the same way with uh, these leadership training courses. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that the faculty that teaches these courses, they don't get paid. They volunteer their time to, to teach those things. And so there's a lot of volunteerism and servant leadership uh, that really has uh, fulfilled uh, what I have done and what I'm doing now. Just last year, you get inducted into the South Dakota Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Hall of Fame. First of all, what does the SDIAAA do? Uh, That is the organization that works with and for the athletic directors. Like I said, we put on a uh, conference every spring Mm -hmm. uh, where we, again, go through the sport proposals and make recommendations to the activities association provides professional development at the conference. Plus we have uh, several times throughout the year where we offer these courses as well. Uh, It recognizes athletic directors for their uh, achievements. And uh, we recognize them on both the state uh, and national level. And I was uh, inducted last year or two years ago into the state uh, Athletic Directors Hall of Fame. And then this past December was inducted into the National Athletic Directors Hall of Fame, uh, second South Dakota to do that. Mm-hmm. Steve Burseth, who was uh, yes. an outstanding uh, professional and kind of got leadership training and professional development started in the state of South Dakota. He was inducted into the national hall of fame several years ago. So I was fortunate enough to become the the second inductee from the state. So how did you hear from them that you were going into the hall of fame? Uh, Get notified from the uh, national uh, executive director. uh, And there's a, a method and, uh, I had to fill out a form to, uh, when the state nominates you for that, you fill out a form, send in uh, to the national office, and then they evaluate it. And you're in the pool of candidates for three years, and then uh, we can uh, renominate somebody. But you stay in the pool for three years, uh, and then you either get a, a letter that says you were not chosen or you are chosen. Now, uh, it's not, not like year. the Hall of Fame in football where they knock on your door at your house no, <laughs> to let no. you know you're in. Yeah. <laughs> and this this year, the, the two guys that uh, have been uh, very instrumental in helping me with the state association uh, are Bill Clements from Dakota Valley and Joey Struy, of course, who is at Sioux Falls Lincoln and is, or is uh, retiring this year, uh, oh, have that's been. Crazy. Uh, it's even hard to express how much uh, they have done for me and helping me 
with the organization, but realizing that I just uh, got done a couple of years ago going through pancreatic cancer treatment and hosted a national conference or a national summit the year that I was going through that. And so those two guys really uh, stepped up and uh, helped out. And Joey Struey is now our uh, National Hall of Fame nominee, and so his name is in the the pool. And uh, Bill Clements will be probably our next nominee nice. for that. Nice. Uh, Jim, I've got uh, two more questions for you. Yep. Um, how you feeling today, and what keeps you busy now that you're retired? <laughs> uh, feeling really good. Uh, I have uh, checkups every three months they do a cat scan and uh feel very fortunate that we caught it early and uh that the treatment went well uh and so every three months for a year i'll be doing cat scans uh and then after that about every six months up to about five years they'll continue to check but i feel good uh and of course can tell that because I'm still active in these organizations, going places, uh, being able to enjoy watching my uh, grandkids in sports. Uh, I've got uh, the oldest granddaughter is uh, high jumping at uh, Belmont University in Nashville. Uh, we've gotten to see her jump a couple times indoors. Uh, most of her uh, meets are televised. So we get a chance nice. to do that without actually being there. And then the uh, her three siblings, uh, set of twins, Kaysen and Gavin, that uh, will be graduating this year. Uh, Kaysen was a football player on Hamlin's team. They go to Hamlin. And uh, Gavin uh, is on the track and field team. And... Uh, Eliana, the youngest one, is out for track as well. So we get a chance to watch them. And then we have uh, two granddaughters that actually live here in Sioux Falls with us. <laughs> and uh, one just started middle school and one's in the third grade. That's enough to keep and you busy there, Jim. So, yep. So that keeps <laughs> us hopping. Uh, as far as what keeps me busy, well, the athletic directors, the coaches, and South Coast Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, Keep me, keep me busy, uh, keep me active, keep me in touch with uh, the people that I really enjoy being in contact with. Uh, being the executive director has allowed me to, even though I've been retired now for seven years just about, uh, allows me to you know, stay in contact with those people that I've had a chance uh, to work with. I'm going to rack your brain for your final question. Uh, you know, you've been to so many track meets over the years and you've been involved with the Howard Wood Dakota relays over the years. Has there been any event over the years that just still stands out for you that you there, you were there, you saw a great performance. Maybe it was a record breaking event or just a gutty performance. Is there one or two big track events that stand out saying, Hey, I was there when this happened. Well, Myself, I've had five individual state champions, and I've had uh, eight different relays that I've coached that were state champions. Uh, probably the biggest thing is being able to coach and teach my uh, three children. Uh, Sunny is the oldest, and she was on a state championship 4x400-meter uh, four four relay. 
team, uh, my two sons, Jason and JD, both of which help at Dakota Relays. Uh, I got to coach them. Uh, They're kind of different in the fact that one was more of a middle distance runner and the other one was more of a hurdler and mm-hmm. uh, field events person. Uh, so those, those are some of the things that uh, I really remember. I know one of the uh, events or one of the things that I had happen is when I went to Madison, Jerome Gary asked me if I would help uh, with the hurdles and then uh, later on with their sprint re- or all their relays, sprint relays more or less. So every year that I was at Madison, I coached either a boys or girls uh, relay team to a state championship. And the last one that I had was the girls four by two, I believe it was. And Bud Postman's two daughters were oh, uh, yeah. on that team uh-huh. uh, along with uh, Grace Hatting and uh, I remember the fourth one. I shouldn't do that. Uh, Katie, <laughs> Katie Darling, I believe. Anyway, they uh, won the gold medal at the state uh, track meet. Uh, and so that was kind of a, a, a highlight. Probably the thing now, though, that uh, I've really been following and has really be, been fun to watch is Graceland Lysa, the shot putter, the thrower from Hamlin, who uh, at Dan Lennon uh, threw the shot put uh, and is uh, number one in the nation right now. And I believe she uh, threw it just about as far as she threw it last year when she set the all-time state record mm-hmm. outdoors mm-hmm. Uh, and was uh, number one in the rankings at that time. So I'm really, I got a chance to talk to her just the other day. They had an indoor meet at South Dakota State and had a chance to, to meet with her and talk with her. And she's just a sweetest girl you would you could ever ask for. And she comes from a great family. And so eager to you know, watch what she does uh, this final year of her high school career. And, of course, she's going on to the University of Florida. Uh, And I would dare say that we'll probably be hearing about her when we get to the Olympics at some point in time. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Programs such as this are only possible to the continued support of our listeners like you. For South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Craig Maddock. Join us again on the next episode of In Play.